Welcome to Talk Design Show, where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey, your host, and having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening and please enjoy. My guest on Talk Design today is again Heather Folding. Now we're doing a little short sort of series. I'm calling it Perspectives. And Heather is an amazing architect, originally from South Africa, currently resides in the Hamptons in New York and the city, um, has projects globally, a huge background. If you want to know more about that, go and look up the original Heather Folding interview on Talk Design that will tell you a lot about that. She has a very, very strong sense of about the industry, about design and about how people get the best out of what we do as architects and designers. Heather, welcome to Perspectives, I think we're calling this. Hi, Adrian. <laughs> hey, um, let's do something today about this kind of discovery phase that happens, that clients look at or potential clients look at and probably don't understand exactly what the discovery phase has to cover. And in making their choice of who they hire and getting the right outcomes. You know, I always believe if there's no magic between the design and the client, um, then we've probably lost something. There's got to be some magic happening in there. It's got to be joyful. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. On, on both parts, on both parts. And I know people that do some amazing different ways of breaking down how they get to um, the outcomes that they, uh, you know, and from the design perspective, from design and architecture, you know, they have methods that they use. And then I know that a lot of people are just kind of left wondering what's going on, um, especially from a client perspective. So let's talk about this discovery phase and, you know, the phone rings or the email goes or there's an inquiry on your website. Tell me what happens next within your business? Well, I think as architects, um, we, uh, you know, we, um, it's a very, very intimate process and it's a very long process. So when you talk about, you know, the magic and somebody calling you, it's one of the biggest investments that you're ever going to make um, mm -hmm. is in your home or in your business um, when you're, coming to an architect, you're coming to somebody who's going to help pretty much manage your budget, your design, your brand, your home, your life, and so on. So it's, it's an intimidating process, I think, for, for a client, you know, coming to us, um, you know, mm -hmm. in the first stage on how to, you know, how to select an architect. And yeah, I think how to, how to choose the right person they're working with, because yeah. Everything that that person does for them will have an impact on how they live in that structure from them forward. Yeah, and I think that I think the the most important thing that we as architects should understand is that um, you know doing a consultation and recommending to clients that they that they talk to, you know, as many or as few architects as they would 
a physician um, that they're consulting. Um, you know, a physician may be somebody who's referred to them. They might like them. They, they might not like them, but ha they have such a reputation that they want to um, work with them. Mm -hmm. In our case, you know, I really don't recommend the latter, but um, just because it is such a long process and it, it's such an intimate it's process. It's such an intimate process, yeah. That, that, so I, the, I think the that's thing a really key word in it. If you're going to live in it, work in it, or it's going to be the thing that, you know, whether it's a commercial space, it's going to be the thing that generates the income that you live with. Um, I think it's really important to remember it's an intimate journey. It's, uh, it's very personal. And I, I think the other thing that most clients that we work with don't really understand is that um, they have lived their whole lives, you know, um, in, if, if we're talking about residential, in homes and in spaces and in other places, and have formed an opinion based on that experience or mm -hmm. you know, maybe other people's mm -hmm. of what it is they think that they want that is going to make them the happiest. And um, they will come to us with that. I, I don't want to call that it that. preconception. Yeah, that, yeah. that preconception. Yeah. And 99% of the time after I've spent, you know, um, time Two hours with them or on the site and you're, you know, with a client, 99% of the time I will come back with something that I absolutely feel is what their soul is crying for and not what they came to me with. Yeah. And they can't believe that what I gave to them was so different, but so right. I, and I think, I think this is a really key point there that, you know, like you come with a brief that says you need a kitchen and a laundry and a whatever, whatever, you know, X number of bedrooms. Um, and then you come with a brief of trying to explain your, how things need to feel for you. And then you're trying to envisage how they feel into the future not just in this moment, but in the future, how they feel. And it's a big, yeah, you know, it's a big um, sort of pot of soup. When you start stirring all those things in. Oh, you've got to add into that, not yeah. only that preconception or, you know, those really strong feelings, which I do not cry. And if that's, if that's what gets woven in, that gets woven in. But then we need to add into that the environment, the zoning, mm -hmm. the and you know the rules, the rules yeah, all, and, and what nature has to offer. Yeah, all of the issues that um, surround all of that, and I sometimes feel like I do giant crossword puzzles. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm doing um, the emotions with the zoning, with the um, uh -huh. environment to come up with something spectacularly perfect to. Um, you know, just magnify their, you know, their experience. And it's, it is all just magic, you know. I, and I, I love that part. It's that it magnifies your experience. I often say to clients, so, you know, they'll give me sort of some sort of brief and it will get fairly detailed. And I go, well, if you've got all that, what do you need me for? And they're like, well, because somebody's got to put it all together and go, yeah, okay. So, okay, I get that part. If we're putting it all together for you, I would like to think that we would exceed your expectation beyond what you ever imagined. Otherwise, I think you've wasted your money. 
You know, like yeah. you waste your money in the design phase. Forget about the build phase and the design phase. We want to take all that and exceed it and do something that um, takes you beyond where you thought you were going to be um, and, very often, and into the future. Very often it, it is, is a matter of budget too, you know, uh-huh. that we can do all of that. And sometimes we can do that to save them a lot of money. Yeah. Pardon me, potentially well, disaster in the future. I always think that um, there's a hierarchy of needs in any project um, and there might be a hierarchy of needs over how rooms are used, but there's also a hierarchy of needs over how budget is spent. And I, I don't think I've ever had a client that their budget has been bigger than their dream. And if it was, if their budget was bigger than their dream, I'd be almost telling them to dream harder. Um, what we after want, the pandemic, that would be a real challenge to find <laughs> who had more money than they could spend. I mean, this pandemic has like doubled the cost and the of availability. Everything. Everything. Exactly. Yeah. So that part of it, I think, is really interesting. So I go, we want the dream and we want every part of the dream because if you don't ask for it now, we'll never be able to get it. And through the discovery process, it's going to enliven dreams that you forgot you had. It's going to take you even further. It's going to, it's a journey where you're walking hand in hand. Um, You're you're the guide, you know, you're guiding them to to grow and guiding them to discover themselves. The first stage of the project is really um, the discovery process is getting to know each other, getting to know the site, getting to know all of those. And then the second phase that I recommend really strongly is if I'm unsure or they're still tentative or there is, you know, there are any issues, I would do this naturally, but I will also say hire me to do the preconceptual, um, to go away and think and dispel all myths of what could happen later so yeah. that there is never a moment later on where we can do that. And I will tell you one little story that, that you know, you just reminded me of is I, I was working on a project where, I had been hired because I had um, I've known them for many years. And actually, she was somebody who called on our office many years ago and came back. I was very flattered, um, came back looking for me um, years later to work on her house. And um, um, in the process of, you know, of, of adding to this house that they love, um, they just wanted to do an addition. And I said, well, the only way that I'm going to do this addition, to be quite brutal, is to make the house in the back look not like a forget forgotten, you know, yeah, right. forgotten home. I mean, it was just a, an you know, ugly really, sister. Yeah. Really yeah. ugly sister in the back. And then I got to just talking and listening. And I I heard um, him, he's a he was, you know, top of the head parade in the 1960s with a really great band, and he's a musician, a really, really interesting guy. And I was doing a library for him for all of his incredible memorabilia. And he said to me, he said, oh, what I wouldn't do to have a swimming pool. And their the, the lot <laughs> was quite small with a hill on the back. And he, he likes to grow things in this tiny little backyard. And I said, well, let's give you a swimming pool. And he said, look, look at what we've got. We, we can't get a swimming pool. And I said, well, you know, and he said, he said he, he always wanted a swimming pool and he really wanted an indoor swimming pool. And I said, well, let's do it. And he looked at me like I had two heads and by God, he got 
not only did he get a um, swimming pool, an indoor swimming pool, um, it was one of those everlasting ones. And if I say so myself, really gorgeous. And um, we also did a green roof. Yeah. And um, we extended the hillside over um, a little structure in the back so that um, his ever-expanding garden could go over the roof of this whole thing. So I would never, ever have known that this was a dream of his had we not in that conceptual stage really spent time talking about dreams, about Absolutely. That, for him to that, come out with the words, I would, I'd do anything for a swimming pool. Yeah. And that would be something so special. Then you go, oh, it, it, it spins it. I had a client, um, a three-story home, um, and she said to me, well into the design process, into the conceptual phase, the same sort of thing. She said, I really want a pool. And I said, right. I said, it's going to be three stories below you because you live on the very top story in this, in this structure. And she said, no, I want the pool to be, so I hop in it up by on this top floor. And I said, so we've got to have a pool that's on the, essentially the body of it will be in the, on the second floor and the, you'll hop in it on the third floor and the ground floor will be, um, I don't know, it'll be, it'll be underneath the pool, you know, like you'll be able to walk underneath the pool. Yeah. And that's what we, we ended that. up with. Yeah. yeah, we did that in and, New York City and he wanted it to hang over the sidewalk with the glass bottom. Oh, right. And I was like, yeah, not, not on my license or my insurance. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this discovery you know. phase is so important, but also finding out um, how you're going to work together as, as people. You know, like how how the jelly is going to come together. You know, it's going to how's it going to gel? How's the magic going to appear? Um, and where the hierarchy of those needs go? You know, like so you suddenly add a swimming pool to a project. It's a big chunk of budget. Um, does the budget shift with it, or does it mean that something else doesn't happen? This is kind of the whole idea of the discovery process. Um, I know that. Uh, I, I think I started maybe around seven or eight years ago charging for my discovery process. Um, and it was because I spent so much time going to clients or potential clients' places, and I would generate all this um, thought, idea, research, you know, all these different things to understand what we were able to do and what was um, possible. And then I'd go to their places and I would, once I'd been, I would walk away from their, from their space, leaving them with a business card um, and a bunch of ideas. Their heads would be swimming. And I went, you know what, if I was to write that all into a report, how valuable would it be for them? And that was the, the start of my discovery process as a formalized thing. I went, if I'm going to spend, you know, half a day or a day writing it into a report by the time we do research and everything else, um, then I, I, I haven't got that as that. I can't do that for free as well as do the other, as well as go to their house. So I don't know what when you're kind of um, shift on that. Oh, yeah, I do both. I, I, I will go for an interview, frankly, to see whether I want to work on the project or not. Uh -huh. 
Yeah. Um, it'll be a short interview. I'm not necessarily going to be leaving them with a lot. And then I'll come back with a proposal. And very often my proposal may be, I would like to um, do this preconceptual phase um, and um, charge for that. But the days are gone where I will spend, um, you know, um, a lot of time um, working with somebody before, you know, it becomes a, a formal consultation. It's sort of like expecting an accountant or an attorney or, a doctor, doctor or somebody to, um, you know, to, to um, do more than um, just in, be introduced, have a 20-minute meeting, and that's what I do with accountants and attorneys. And yeah. then we decide, to, shall we go ahead and shall we give a retainer? We're, so, we're the same. Like, we, we, we don't go to their places, but we will do it on Zoom and we will do it on um, a phone call, you know. 35 minutes, something around that to, you know, 40 minutes, just depending. Um, I often laugh with people before, um, if I'm, if I'm off the call in 10 or 15 minutes, it's definitely not a fit. I don't feel any magic from them and they don't feel any, well, they may or may not feel any magic from me, but I haven't feeling any magic. So I think that that's a really valuable thing is, is to evaluate. Does this feel like something that you really want to spend the next six months to a year um, and it might be three months but let's just say it's anywhere from three months to a year um, talking to this person on a regular basis and being it gets to be an intimate relationship in the sense that we're, we're finding out so many things about them as a human being and about their lives and the way they live now and foresee their and, future and I want I you know when 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 I take it on I take it on 100 percent yeah which means that i really want to care deeply yeah um, me too about yeah. what i'm doing and if i don't care that's the kiss of death um you know if well, i get uh, where I, I don't care um, i'm the same i i've i've um actually um it was jeffrey dungan on the podcast who said to me about you know I don't look for great projects. I look for great people and with great people come great projects. And that was like a light bulb moment for me. I went, I don't care whether it's a big project or a small project, it makes no difference. It's whether it's a great person. And if it's a great person or great people, um, then that makes the excitement in delivering the project. And uh, it's not about delivering what I want. It's about finding out what they want and delivering my expertise to what they want. And I know yours is the same. I know yours is a hundred percent the same. It's the way you approach it. Tell me with, tell me with this, like I I do have this thing about, you know, um, if you, if you asked a doctor to make a house call, or if you made an, asked your attorney to pop round to your house, you know, any of these things, you would expect to pay a fee. Why do people not expect to pay an architect a fee? Um, to go and do that, or an interior designer or a designer. You know, why don't why do they think, oh, that should be free? Why is that? I think um, that we as a profession um, have painted ourselves into a corner. I'm talking about architects. Mm-hmm. Um, we've painted ourselves into a corner because I think the preconception of architects is that we're a too expensive. And B, that we're going to somehow or another make the client do something against their will. 
you know, I, uh, I, I see that happen. I yeah. see both of those things happen. I see sometimes people charge exorbitant amount of money and don't deliver an exorbitant amount of value. And I also see that there are plenty of, and I'd say more than not, um, architects or designers who basically have their own um, ego-driven formula. And yep. you're buying their formula, you're buying their style, you're buying their things. So you, it's like buying a piece of art. You don't go and change it. You live with the art you bought. Um, yeah, I mean, I say to my clients all day long, this is not my home. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Fall in love with everything we're putting into it. And if you are neutral, let's move on. Let, let's find something you fall in love with. I say to them as well, look, short of you leaving me this house and your will and me having you killed off, I'm never going to live in this home. This home's all about you. It's not about me. Um, And there's there's very little right and wrong when it comes to somebody falling in love with something. The only times that I will ever say no are when you are doing something to your structure that will be so expensive to undo that um, I'm going to caution you like, you know, I cannot tell you how many times I've taken a bathtub out of somebody's bedroom. As one Australian in London said to me, can you get that bidet out of my left ear? (laughs) (laughs) So pardon the accent, but you know, I mean, it's just things like that when you're doing infrastructure, that is clearly something that you cannot undo because you can't ever move your kitchen back to a place that makes sense. If you put it over on that side, because you will never be able to fit it. Yeah. Or I mean, that's the only time that I will say no, but beyond that, this is not my house. This is um, your dream. And we, that's my goal is to make you feel like it's a second skin. So the other point that I want to bring up is, is the, um, is the response to the environment and nature because I 100% get that whole conversation around this is for them. This is, this is, it's your expertise driving a outcome for them and, and that's them and their life at this point and going forward. So tell me about responding to nature um, and the environment and also with that becomes the rules, responding to the rules. Yeah, well, I mean, in New York City, it's, it's you know. Plenty of rules. It's just rules. I mean, you know, at the end of the day. Um, and then, you know, everywhere else that we're working, it's very much, you know, responding to not only the little plot of land or the big plot of land on the water. It's responding to how it sits within the community and how and why the person who has this piece of land in that particular community wants to be in that community. And usually that's, you know, all tied together. And then there's the response to, um, you know, what being on the water means um, Mm -hmm. and what that's going to be doing to the long-term aging and maturity of what we're working on. And, um, you know, I'm really. I think the same happens there with mountain homes, you know, like, this this freezing and then and heating freezing and heating it has a, a long-term effect over the building 
Yeah. And, you know, here it's that too, you know, it's the freezing and heating and the waterfront with the salt and, and, um, and everything else. And then you add to, you know, to that, the local codes and what you can and can't do and FEMA and, you know, the hundred year um, homeowners association watermark and, you know, you add all of that, but then you also add into the equation um, a factor which, you know, which I feel pretty strongly about. And that is, I don't want, I don't care what the latest trend is. I, I don't really want to even know what the latest trend is because it needs to be everything that we're working on needs to be something that in 20 years, some, the, the greatest, greatest feeling for me in the whole wide world is to walk into a place 25 years later and for it to feel as fresh as it did, you know. Oh, previously. yeah. Yeah. Do you know, so I think the, the value, there's a value in understanding and knowing trends, and that is is which ones you should uh, avoid and which ones are safe. People sometimes, have often I, said, sometimes, unfortunately, it drives the materials. It, it that are does. Available. Yeah. And, and, well, it's interesting. It, it drives everything. So I do a lot of talk speaking on trends and trend watching, and people say to me, "Why does a trend even matter?" And I go, "Because it." it often drives the availability of product and the availability of things that are happening. So if the trend becomes, um, you know, that it's sustainability, it drives so many products down this road. That doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that you get to see and you've got to then evaluate in the trend from top to bottom which ones are bringing value for the yeah, money yeah. that they cost, you know, like are they truly bringing value? And I think this is a massive part of um, when you look at building biology and building science. So the construction science of buildings, but then the biology of buildings and materiality and stuff is getting enough truth around this area. Um, and then whether that actually matters to the client and or whether it matters to the planet is something that um, you have a responsibility to. We, I only will work with various. Um, if I'm doing a new system now, yeah. I'll only do, I'll only do VRF. Um, yeah. And um, I feel very very strongly about um, all the environmental um, solutions. And if we can do geothermal, I'm all about doing that. Um, it's uh, using we, the best of what's or, available. It's just using the environment, yeah. harnessing the environment with, you know, um, and those aren't trends. They're, they're, you know, just so much more efficient than mm. what was available, you know, previously. Do you, do you know, I always think that the, the environment gives us some things for free. It gives us these things. It gives us light. We don't pay for the sun to come up. And we don't really acknowledge it really that well often too. No, often Often not. Um, so we don't pay for the sun to come up. We don't pay for it to rain. So we, we get these things from the environment. We don't pay for the wind to blow. Um, we, we can't control any of these things either. We can control how we respond to them in the environment. So we're going to get the light and the, um, the air, hopefully good air, but um, breezes and we're going to get the, and, and rain. We're going to get these things for nothing and sunshine these are things that just turn up everything else is it whether it be a view or whether it be um a you know is of that separate piece of environment you know like in the desert it might be very dry so you don't get the rain but you do get more sunshine 
um, you know, and, and so on, this kind of like thing. So playing with these elements, first of all, taking all the ones that we don't pay for and making them beyond special. As soon as we use utilizing them to the absolute best that we can with the structure that we're going to put in its way, because any structure we put in its way is going to be some kind of blot on the landscape or something that is in harmony with the landscape. And then we go from there to our next point, which is, is how, how's that going to make the occupant live? Um, and then how does that suit them? So finding that balance. But too often, I think we don't acknowledge the fact that, you know, rain on a roof, rain on a window, um, rain, you know, so that we see water flow, all these types of things. Um, we see them as problems because they can destroy a house as well um, or a building. But how do we maximize what we could get from them? How could they become part of the journey of that house as opposed I mean, that's, to separate that's all from part of our, our design. And that's, uh, that these days, that's how we, 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 that's how I will only really work. Yeah. You know, it's expensive still to be harnessing all of these things. It's definitely more expensive and the payoff is long-term, mm -hmm. but I think that as responsible and, and I always say to clients, this is sexy, man. This is really sexy stuff mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. you know, that you have a house that's going to be 60 to 75% off the grid is really sexy. And it's going to be even more important later, I think, in resale. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and resale or if you're making it a legacy and it's being passed on, um, any of those things, it's only going to be better for whoever it is next or whoever it is in that moment and even if it's yourself you know like a, a home that you can live in till the day you die it's only going to make a better home for you a better more sustainable one Heather, yeah, fascinating conversation i really think there's sort of some key points there is taking the time to discover who it is that you work with and and making magic with them because that's really key um if somebody's doing it for the money in the, in the design sense, I would question it. They've got to be doing it for the love. And that key point that you said, you know, when somebody's doing something with their house, if it's just neutral and feeling, let's look for how we make the love and the feeling um, because discover a bit more. The other is, is responding to nature um, and in turn holding hands with the, the client to, to respond to them in nature and... Yep then looking into the future, I think, is another key point. You know, this thing in design phase might be now, but then the, by the time it's built, it'll be further down the track. And then and we'll that's what go makes it, that's what makes it all, for me, so much fun because yeah. it's, you know, the complexity and every single day is a whole new day for us. <laughs> it's what gets me up in the morning. Yep. Yeah. Heather, thank you so, thank so much. Always a pleasure. Let's do yeah. let's do another one again soon. Yeah. So we're going to call in all of these consultants for the different materials that are available. I have a couple under yeah. my belt to pull in. Really fabulous, interesting ones talking about lighting and um, uh, exactly um, the, the the materiality part. And I'd also like to um, pull in, you know, maybe uh, Zara Dakota again and Paula Baker Laporte, who are both in there from the building biology side of it. Fantastic. Um, 
Matt Reisinger, who's um, let's get these building let's get science. Manufacturers and, and the, the couple who designed Warm Floor, I'd be fant- they're interested in doing this. Yep. So, you know, that would be fantastic. So to, if, you're to lis- if you're listening to this podcast, um, we're going to turn these perspectives and we're going to try and invite people in that we can uh, talk to, understand, grill, whatever it is get the bottom line on on where things are and how to make your home or your materials. office better. New, yeah. new fun stuff, new technology, new materials, new directions, always, always interesting. Absolutely. Thank you. Cheers, Heather. Bye. Have a beautiful evening. Thanks. You too. Bye. Richard's Magic Arrows is brought to you by the Architect Marketing Institute. Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now, I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, If it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking say three questions and this is called takeaway selling so this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you it's almost like imagine if you had some hot chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them you put them in front of someone and then they went to reach out and then you you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you it's that type of thing so this is called takeaway selling so the first question you ask you say well why don't you just leave the situation as it is why why make the change that's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, well, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you. See if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.